Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 136 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we talked about accelerated learning techniques and considered the wide variety of great online tools and resources available today to help you learn new things quickly. In this episode, we go right to the headlines and one of the big tech stories of the day, new Apple announcements for iPhones and the long-awaited Apple Watch. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, it is that time of year when new phones and other great gadgets are announced in time for the holidays. So in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll be talking about new Apple products, uh, among other things. I've got some other things to talk about there. In our second segment, we'll discuss wearable technology and whether Apple is really shaking new things up with its new watch. Uh, And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our main topic, and that is uh, recent announcements of new personal technology products, primarily by Apple, although frankly, it started earlier than that in September when Samsung announced a new version of the Galaxy Note, which is the phone that I currently use, uh, uh, and a brand new phone that I'm actually really kind of excited about. Uh, Then just a few days later, Apple uh, took over the news, and I think took over all the news, um, with announcements of not one, but two phones. They also may have mentioned at some point that they're doing a watch and uh, that's going to be released at some point early next year. Uh, Needless to say, iPhone fanatics worldwide went berserk. Uh, and Dennis, as as we record this podcast, uh, this is the day that the new iPhones have come out. And I have seen pictures even tonight of massive lines uh, at iPhone stores. Uh, D- Dennis, do you have your new iPhone 6 yet? Or are you recording the podcast in, in line outside one of the St. Louis Apple stores? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not in line, and and you know, I'm I'm never been a first adopter on phones. I never have good luck on the f- first day with these things, anyway. <laughs> um, and so I, because I was, as I always say, that the phones to me, are, you can't separate device and the plan and the and the the actual cell provider. So I need to kind of think through whether I'm staying with my existing provider or moving to another service, and then uh, kind of figure out whether we pass, you know, we trade off phones and update some in, in the family and not others and that sort of thing. So it's to me, it's sort of complicated. It looks like there's going to be weights on this unless you were ready to go um, like you know early on and absolutely had to be first on the phone. So not in line. Uh, I sort of feel like I'm in a virtual line in an Apple store waiting on iOS 8 to download onto my iPhone, <laughs> frankly, but and we can talk more about that later. But not in line. Very, I'm very interested in the iPhone 6. And I'm definitely going there. But 
but not quite yet. Um, but I will say uh, the Apple Watch, you, you may catch me as a very much a first adopter on that. Uh, Tom, you know, for me, it's it's really interesting. You alluded to this of how Apple announcements just seem like they suck up all the action, mm-hmm. in, oxygen, and in, in tech news. Yep. And and also, I think we just heard today that in October there may be uh, more, you know, new iPads. Uh, the newest version of OS X, and I don't know whether it might even be new MacBooks. Uh, but let's talk, I guess, we might as well start with the September 9th announcements. Uh, probably most of our listeners know this. Let's just go over the highlights of, of the big announcements. Well, I, you're, you're right. I mean, for, for whatever reason, uh, Apple knows how to market an event. Um, and it doesn't hurt that the devices that they, that they bring out are beautifully designed and they look beautiful and, uh, and, and they work well. And I think that in this case, it's probably not going to be any exception. The, uh, the two devices that they, that they are, are putting out um, are the iPhone 6, uh, which is actually a bigger phone than the iPhone 5S. It's now a, a 4.7-inch screen. And then uh, the iPhone 6 Plus, which is a 5.5-inch screen, which I really have to laugh. And I think, frankly, those of us who use Android phones, even though, yes, I'm new to the Android world, but I still, having had an Android phone now for well over a year, I feel firmly entrenched in that world. I, I've been pretty amused, along with other Android users, these past two weeks and and remembering the fact that uh, Steve Jobs said four years ago that no one will ever buy a big phone and being constantly teased by my iPhone friends for years about having such a big phone and why don't you just get put an iPhone uh, iPad mini instead why do you need such a big phone and and what's interesting is it's almost as if the Apple world is in kind of a bubble and that no one inside was aware that big phones exist because one of the things that I saw over the past week uh, um, were sites that would allow you to print out a a paper sized version of both the iPhone six and the six S, so you could hold it in your hands and see what the size would be like, as if it weren't possible to just go to a store somewhere and pick up a Samsung Note um, or another similarly sized phone um, to actually figure out what it's like. It's almost like it's the first time they're aware of such a concept, and and I, I'm amused by that. But I say, good on you, Apple, for finally acknowledging that some people like to see bigger screens. And I have some more things to talk about. But what are kind of the features of these new phones, Dennis, that kind of stuck out to you that get you interested in in maybe getting an iPhone 6 at some point in time? Well, we'll talk about it when we come to to the Apple Pay side of thing, but I, I think that the the NFC and the and looking at the phone as a payments platform, but but also the phone as a platform, and, and I kind of struggle with the idea of a bigger phone. But I also realize I really hardly ever use the phone aspect of this, so I sort of see this as a mobile device and sort of almost like that personal, you know, personal area network or personal server. And, and you see how the Apple Watch is sort of going to work with with the iPhone. So I printed those things out, and I think it's a great <laughs> thing. And I, I just thought the 6 Plus was just preposterously big. But then I said I don't really, like I said, it's it's rare that I actually hold a phone to my ear. And so most of the time that I'm making a call with my iPhone, it's in my car through Bluetooth, so I don't even pick up the phone or have it at my ear. So I, I think it's 
my sense is, and I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this, Tom, is that these really show how we've moved away from the iPhone, from the phone aspect of it, to something new, and I'm not sure what that is. And I, I you know, for, you know, you were talking about the bigger screens, and you know, I, I'm sort of going to miss the time that it's been like over the last couple of years when you could talk to somebody with an Android phone and you could use the word phablet. You could refer to their phablet, and they you get them all annoyed and embarrassed about that. But we're sort of moving to that to that bigger world, and. I think it's because the phone, we're de-emphasizing phone and we're looking at this as a mobile something. I don't know what it is, mobile computer or something like that. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that, Tom? Well, I think it's hilarious first that you're, you're right. I think that people have used the term phablet in a derisive way um, in the past. But uh, I will tell you that over the past two weeks, I have seen phablet being used in a totally positive way now. And, and it's like now that the Apple people are free to use the word, then suddenly it's okay to call it a phablet. And uh, I think that's kind of kind of funny. But I, I agree with you um, to the extent that I think that people are interested in doing more than just having a phone that they put in their pocket. Uh, you know, one of the things for me that I like about my Note 3, because which is the size of the, of the iPhone 6 Plus, is the photo taking capabilities. Is I love the ability to see a big screen. I love to be able to look at pictures on here. It's just such a crisp, nice, clear look that when I look at an iPhone with the same thing, it looks cramped. It doesn't look full. Um, I was, I'm on a, I'm in a group on LinkedIn um, where someone was actually asking whether or not, you know, one of the more popular evidence presentation tools was going to come out with a version for the iPhone 6, uh, 6 Plus. And so someone's clearly thinking about actually going to trial and trying a case on an iPhone um, instead of on an iPad or something like that, which I thought was a little crazy. But the fact that someone's thinking about it, I think, proves your point, which is that people are looking to actually do more than talk on the phone. I'm different in that regard because I, I actually use my phone for, as my work phone, and so I'm on the phone using it all the time. I'm not holding it up very often to my ear. I've got, I've got either a Bluetooth headset or uh, headphones that I put in there um, to use it. But I think that that's probably one of the reasons that makes it uh, okay to, to like big again. And frankly, the iPhone 6 Plus sold out first. Now, I think that may have something to do with the fact that... Um, the stock for that was probably not as plentiful as it was for iPhone 6, but it kind of also puts the lie to the fact that people prefer the small phone. Uh, the fact that most of the people I knew were really seriously looking at uh, 6 or 6 Plus and were actually choosing the, the bigger phone because they liked the extra real estate. Well, I, and I think that it also shows that in especially in the iPhone world, there's not a lot of price sensitivity, you know, because you're talking about an extra hundred or so, uh, typically as you move between these things. And so the, I sort of see them faster, more memory. There's a different bit of features to these things. Like I understand you get the big improvements on the camera side and video side or in the, in the 6 Plus. But I, you know, as always, I come back to this, to the jobs to be done thing and saying, okay, what am I hiring this device to do for me? And I, and I think we're, that's becoming a more complex. And so I think this idea of, of saying, oh, here's the best mobile phone or mobile device is becoming harder to say, oh, this is it, because we all do such different things. 
And, you know, so you need to make a decision of how many devices you need to have, what, you know, what areas they cover, what what you're going to do with them, and then you can make a choice. That 6 Plus just feels really difficult for me to use as a phone, but I can also see it as being sort of like a really great device that does captures both what my wife would want to do with a phone and and with an iPad mini in that 6 plus uh, size so I mean that's so you say completely different use cases so I, I think those are kind of the things so I don't know Tom you it seems like you've really uh, committed to the to the Android uh, world, but I know the Apple Watch uh, from one of your Facebook postings is, is at least making you think because you would have to have an iPhone with that. So I, I guess let me lead off. I think at this point, I'm leaning toward just the, the plain iPhone 6 that I think would be a more comfortable size for me, but I may wait and, until I can get to an Apple store and, and try them in my hands. So Tom, sort of sounds so far that you're you're plan to stay Android, but uh, are these making you think, or uh, what's your latest thinking on on the iPhone world? So if I take your approach of job to be done and what am I hiring the phone to do, having used an Android phone for well over a year now, I looked at these announcements and I wanted to see if there was a compelling reason to go back to an iPhone. Um, And I have to say that I can't really find a good reason because, frankly, most of the major new changes to the iPhone have actually already existed in Android phones for a number of years. I've seen a bunch of posts. Of, a guy posted his new iPhone 6 on Facebook today, and some one of one of my friends posted after that and said, welcome to Android 2012. And um, I think that, that that is true for many of the features. Now, one difference is, is that, um, is that where, where Android may be a little rough around the edges, um, Apple really takes the time to design it lovingly and carefully. But if I'm looking just at features, it didn't really change my mind. Um, so, you know, I, I still think the phone is not as customizable. Um, the extensions that we'll talk about in just a second, I don't think they go as far as they could, and, and I'm hoping that they go farther in the future. Frankly, for me, in terms of the phone, and, and, and I guess I'm going to lead with this to, to let you know where I'm going with the watches, I really plan to take a look at, I'm going to throw this out of left field, the new Samsung Edge. Um, it's a phone that's about the same size as the Galaxy Note. In fact, it is the same size, but it actually has a kind of a curved edge that developers are going to be developing things for that edge that could be a clock on the side, it could be your menu icons, it'll be where you push the camera button. It's a really intriguing new design from Samsung. I'm really kind of interested in that. Uh, It doesn't come out for a couple of months, but I think that's what I'm holding out for at least right now. But I have to say that my resolve on that has been tested by the Apple Watch because as I was watching the demonstration of the watch, I have to say that it really intrigued me because I think that it gets a lot of things right that so far the smartwatches that have come out on the Android side have really not done as good a job on. I mean, the design of the watch really looks nice. I, I, I prefer a circular watch, but um, but I would wear probably this watch, um, given the fact that it has multiple kinds of bands that you can interchange out and, and for, for different uh, situations. But I really liked the usability, but I as I've started to listen to podcasts and uh, tech geeks t- start talking about it, I've seen that the enthusiasm in that area is much less than I would have 
expected. I would have expected they'd be all in and ready for it. And um, a lot of people are a little more critical than I was expecting them to be, thinking that Apple's doing way too much. They're trying to do too many things. Like, do I really care that I can, you know, draw on someone else's, draw a heart, a flower on mine, and, and it'll show up on somebody else's? Or do I really care that I can send someone my heartbeat? That they really tried to do too much. And, and there are just really too many unanswered questions at this point in time, like battery life and what it's really going to be like. They really didn't answer that. They really didn't give a lot of information. And I'm be interested to see how much the enthusiasm dies down over the next uh, couple of months because we still have a ways before it gets released. I don't know, Dennis, uh, you, you, you seem to sound like you might be willing to forego that uh, reluctance to be a first adopter with the watch. Is that uh, still holding true? Uh, yeah, I, I really see my myself as being all in, and and I th- I think this is sort of the inevitable thing when, you, when you're not going to get the watches until early next year that people are going to be disappointed that that sort of the tech you know news bloggers the people talking about tech or you know because that's so far in the distance that it's almost like people can't think about it and it gives you all this time to come up with the negatives. You know, it's like I think the Apple announcements always crack me up because, uh, you know, it was people just build up these things that are just impossible ahead of time. So, you know, like before this one, there were definitely going to be three phones. One of them was going to be even bigger than the biggest one. That uh, There was all this talk about this sapphire glass screen, which, you know, didn't didn't even show up. And, and of course, people, once again, Apple disappointed us by not having, uh, you know, teleportation on the iPhone yet. So I don't know when they're going to get around to that. And so I think that people look at the watch and you haven't had it on in hand people aren't using it you sort of can't imagine it you, you just i mean you yeah you sort of are imagining it but you can't really imagine it and then you get into these things where you say uh you were saying the circular watch and you go, yeah, I might like a circular watch, but then I was listening to somebody talk and say, look how much uh, screen space you're you're giving up by going a circular watch, and what kind of interface would you have on that circle as opposed to the square or rectangle? And you go, yeah, basically, uh, for it to work the way I would would like it to work, it does have to be a, a square at, at this point. But on the Apple Watch, I think it just shows. Uh, all these elements of Johnny Ive, and and we talked a while back of how I, I read a biography on Johnny Ive, the designer of all the great uh, Apple products, and the watch really shows, uh, you know, shows his touch in there, and and I, I think that's probably the thing that's really really got me interested in in the the Apple the Apple Watch. So you know, it's funny because I I haven't worn a watch. I don't know. It's probably been. 10 years. It's been as long as I've had a smartphone where the phone has become my clock and I haven't needed one. And and now what I like about the smartwatches is not so much that now I'll have finally have a watch to put on my phone. It's the fact that I will be able to have notifications that, um, that when my phone is ringing and I can leave it in my backpack or I can leave it somewhere else and I can get notifications of a text message or a phone call that comes in. Um, I like the health monitor aspects of the smartphones, but I still can't get away from the fact that I prefer a certain 
circular watch. Um, and so what I've decided to do uh, is, it, it, because here's, here's the deal, is that, is that I have to be all in with, if I'm going to be in with the Apple Watch, I have to be in with the iPhone because there's no way to go, to go with an Apple Watch with any other phone other than the iPhone. So instead of that, um, and knowing that there is a delay, I have decided to cure my crush on the Apple phone by actually buying another smartwatch now. Uh, and so I have, uh, in fact, yesterday I placed an order for a Moto 360 Android watch. It is a circular watch. It's gotten decent reviews. There are complaints about battery life. There are complaints about the fact that Android Wear is not as good as it could be. But it's also $100 less than the cheapest Apple Watch is going to be. We don't really know how much um, the fancy Apple Watches are, are going to be because right now that says they will be starting at $349. The Moto X is $250, which I think is a good enough investment for me to try it out, and I'm hoping that that will cure me from, you know, coveting the Apple Watch too much uh, when it when it comes out next year. So I will have to show you my Moto 360 the next time we see each other and uh, see what the consensus is on that. But you know, it, it's not all it's not all hardware here. I don't know if you have anything more to say on the watch, but we probably should spend at least a few minutes talking about iOS 8. I know you can spend less time than I can talking about it, but uh, and you want to start off on that at least? Yeah, I started the down- I was telling you before we did the recording, I started the download last night. It ran all night. I still had three or four hours of downloading it said this morning, and I paused it, and I started it again this evening, and uh, when I last checked, I had still 11 hours to go, so... Uh, you know, and and I think it's it's take. There's a lot of volume trying to download that uh, iOS eight, and for whatever reason, it's taken me a really really long time. So I don't really have any comments. It sort of seems to me that uh, you know, it's there's a lot of stuff going on under the hood, um, and there's some, and they're making some changes that some people don't like, and that some people love. Just it's the nature of change, but it sort of seems like. Uh, a lot of uh, iOS 8 is is under the hood stuff, but I know Tom. At least on your iPad, you've you've started to experiment with it. So, so what thoughts do you have about iOS 8 at this point? So I, I had some time issues too, but nothing like what you've had. I think it took me about two and a half hours on one of my iPads to download, and uh, and that was kind of frustrating, but I got through it. And I have to say that that the best new features uh, of iOS 8 are really for iPhone users. Um, the health kit and a number of other features that they have, I think, really are better if you've got the iPhone. And so for the iPad, I would say they're just okay. I would say it's really not spectacular. I'm not getting a wow feeling, but I will talk about three features that I want to mention. The first is that finally Apple has um, given in to extensions. Extensions are things that allow apps to talk to each other. In the past, Apple would not let any app talk to each other, but finally they're letting that happen. Android's had this for a long time. That's one of the things I like best about my Android phone. Some of the examples are I use LastPass and LastPass now has an extension for Safari on the iPad. So if I'm surfing on Safari um, and I get to a site that I need to log into, it's just a button push and my my username and password are automatically filled in. You can do that with OneNote too. Uh, OneNote has got an extension where if you want to clip a page to your OneNote account, you can do that. Right now it's only limited to Safari, right? Uh, 
I, I'm hoping that the other developers are going to start uh, start doing that. Right on, on my Android phone, my, the LastPass extension works on every single app uh, that's available. Uh, so I'm hoping that that changes eventually on the iPad. Um, another feature that I like is that finally you're able to use alternate keyboards. Again, with my Android, I really like having the the swipe based keyboard where I don't have to input every key. I can just swipe around to to do it. And finally, you're able to do that. Ironically, <laughs> my favorite app on the Android, I downloaded it to the iPad and it said, unfortunately, the swipe-based keyboard is only available right now on our iPhone version of the app. So I still can't do it on the iPad, but it's coming. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. And then finally, the other thing are widgets. Again, another thing that Android's had for a long time are widgets. Um, but in the iOS 6, they're kind of limited just to the notification screen. You can add widgets for news updates, weather conditions, sports scores. Apps are building widgets into them, then you can activate them on your notification pane. If you swipe down from the top of your iPhone or iPad, you'll see all of those those notifications. But you know, when you compare them to Android, I think that these widgets are really limited. I, I can get a widget on any screen on my phone. Um, I've got a, a widget to start a podcast or to start an audiobook uh, or to read news headlines or see my calendar, and I have to pull down the notifications pane to do that. So while I like all these features, I think they're interesting. Again, that's part of why it wasn't compelling for me to move away from Android as far as the phone was concerned. So uh, th- those are kind of the things that um, that I'm seeing that are interesting to me that are steps up for, for Android, uh, or excuse me, for Android I've got on the brain uh, for uh, for the new iOS 8. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about those with, on my Android phone, I'm sort of ambivalent about a lot of the things that you're talking about, and they don't really you know, quite work the way I I want. You know, I feel like I got to invest a lot of time in those, and and sometimes they're a little clunky for me. So, I, but but I think that goes to that whole notion of we're starting to all use these things in very personal ways, and so the fact that the features are there and you're starting to see parity, you know, gives gives people opportunities. But it could be that you know, like a feature that seems really great for one person is something that that nobody else will will use. Tom, I wanted to I wanted to wrap up by uh, just asking your comments about uh, about Apple Pay. I mean, I. I just took a, a, a new position at MasterCard in the legal department, moved from my current job over to our emerging payments and uh, mobile transaction solutions group, where I'll be working with the group that does mobile wallet and, and some other mobile payment things. So I, I'm obviously, one, very interested in Apple Pay and MasterCard's role in the Apple Pay uh, ecosystem. And I don't really want to comment that much on it other than to say I'm really excited about looking at using phones, the phone for payments. And and I want people to think about it in terms of what is the impact of those mobile payments on your use of cash, which is where I, I think this stuff starts to really get interesting. And I suspect that when, you know, five, 10 years from now, when we look back, Apple Pay itself, and certainly this announcement and this first step into mobile payments will be seen as, as pretty uh, historically significant in in the world in the era of mobile payments. But I don't know, Tom, I'm really curious about your reaction uh, when they talked about uh, Apple Pay and, and using the phone for payments. 
Well, I suspect that you're onto something here about uh, about the fact that this could be kind of historic because Google tried to do this a while back with its Google Wallet, and they really fell flat. And, and from what I've read, it has a lot to do with the fact that Apple had the power to go to the banks themselves and to work with them, and they and they've got a lot. Of, of support behind them that Google just either did they just lacked the will to do or they just weren't able to do it. But I think that this enables both Google and other folks to to make mobile payments uh, like this a lot more uh, possible. I I think that this is one of the features that had me thinking twice uh, about getting an iPhone 6. I think that's a really appealing ability to be able to just point your phone or once the watch comes out to just point your watch at a a terminal and pay for something. I, I think it does have the potential to improve these other payment services, but you know, I think right now it's not going to eliminate wallets. It's not going to eliminate cash. I mean, right now, those payment stations, uh, from what Tim Cook said, they're available at 220,000 locations, which is substantial. But when you compare it to the number of locations total, they estimate that it's somewhere at 5.5 million places where you would buy services or something like that. It's really less than 5% of, of that. Um, so it's, it's still a drop in the bucket for where that sort of uh, uh, service is available. I would expect that to start taking off. We've started to see some vendors signing on to uh, some chain stores, big national chains signing on to the Apple Pay uh, bandwagon. What I think is interesting, though, is if, if I want to bring this back to lawyers, is one of the people on Twitter that I follow had sarcastically mentioned that he hadn't seen a single post um, the day that the iPhones were announced about how the iPhone, the new iPhone, would help lawyers get more clients. Um, and, and for me, I wasn't looking so much at the iPhone as at Apple Pay, really presenting an opportunity for lawyers. As we're, as we're starting to move to new forms of payment for legal services, I think that it might make sense to, to look at Apple Pay as a viable way Way to accept payment. If the client happens to be in the office, I think that that's a way that um, can differentiate a lawyer's practice by showing that you're modern and and that you've got n- new and different ways of, of, of doing things. So I think that this presents a real interesting opportunity. Maybe a little too early to for lawyers to start thinking about it seriously, but um, but but certainly not too early to, to at least start thinking about it. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We decided to wait to do a full show on the Apple Watch until we actually get them. But we've been thinking a lot about the whole category of wearables and how wearables might impact lawyers. And we talked a little bit about that in the first segment. But we've been thinking about from new data sources to new apps and uses to new legal issues raised by wearables. There's, there really is a lot to think about. So, Tom, are really we really at the dawn of a new technology category? And if so, what are the implications of wearables that you've been thinking about? 
So I'm going to be a little bit of a wet rag and say, I don't think we're at the dawn. I think we're just at the next phase of a new category because, Dennis, we've already done a podcast on this. We did a podcast on the Internet of Things, and we took a lot of time talking about wearables during that. Now, those wearables, I would argue, are much less sophisticated than what we've seen coming out, certainly much less sophisticated than what the Apple Watch claims that it's going to be able to do, and I would argue also less sophisticated than what some of the Android watches are able to do. There's a lot of wearable devices out there. I mean, every company is coming out with some version of a wearable device to try to fit every budget, every preference for what you want to have on your watch. I know that that Fitbit, which is has been my preference for a fitness tracker, is now coming out with designer Fitbits so that, that you can wear them like bracelets with gold and silver and they look like jewelry when you wear them. Um, from the demo, though, you know, I, I get the feeling that Apple is trying to cram as many features as possible into that phone. Um, I don't know if that's a good I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It could be, but will people I think that I'm a little concerned about what we're trying to, again, I come back and we talk about this a lot, what are we asking the watch to do? But like you mentioned, given all that it can do, I think that you know the Apple Watch and, and you know the, the Moto 360 that I'm about to get really could be a, a treasure trove of discoverable information if we're going strictly to the legal aspects for it. You know, there's going to be health information on it, my text will be on it, my, the, the Apple Watch allows you to leave send voice texts, so there could be voice recordings that are on there, and a whole lot more. I, I paid attention to the fact that a lot of my Facebook friends ditched the Facebook Messenger app uh, a while back because their terms of service said we're gonna we have the right to we, we're gonna control your microphone on your phone we're gonna control your camera on your phone and they thought that meant that Facebook was gonna take my picture and record my voice when I didn't uh, when I didn't give them permission to do that well I think Apple really gets privacy a lot better than Facebook does but. But I think that there's that same issue. Who's to say that Apple couldn't do the same thing? And there's a recorder on there. There's going to be the ability. I cannot remember if there's a camera on there or not. I don't know if that's a feature. But I I personally think it's far-fetched for that sort of thing to happen. But, you know, as you begin to use a wearable device, not only to consume information, but to input that information, I think that lawyers are going to have to consider it as as a discoverable source of information. Yeah, I mean, I see these things as sensors. So they are going to do a number of different things, and probably, uh, in my thinking, like the like the phones. Maybe the least on the watches, the least important thing is telling you what time it is. But I, there's a whole new generation of sensors in these things, and people have kind of joked around about. Uh, you know, with the the Apple Watch being able to sense heartbeat and to you know send that information to somebody else and to share different things, but there's there are a number of sensors built in there that can be used for medical purposes that we would we would like and the sort of monitoring that that would be really helpful to you uh, location you know, dramatic increase in location information, you know, across the board, um, all those sorts of things. And and I think that has the potential to become very important. And we're, we need to, uh, for lawyers, and I, and I think that if you're in situations where as a lawyer you say, oh, I don't want to, you know, it's already complicated enough to do e-discovery. I don't want to go after somebody's watch too because I don't know what to do with that. And you start to think about, you know, well, if I have location information and these other things, you know, like how can you, how can you yeah, how can you possibly ignore that? So it, you go, oh my God, here's another whole new category. 
And as you go to the next set of wearables, because you say, oh, here's watch. Well, what happens when you go to you know something else? It's a, a medical monitor, or the wearable becomes uh, you know uh, headphones, or becomes a necklace, or some you know something else it becomes a shirt. Uh, all those different things. You go, wow, the sources of data, what we do with them, and then and then we're always balancing the utility for us versus who's keeping that, what's happening with that with that data, how it gets used, and is it for our own good or somebody else's good, and, and, and what is the, the trade-off uh, we need there. So I, I think that you, you talked about how the, the Apple Watch sort of crams a bunch of features in there, but I sort of think that was the where the next step needed to be because it was just going to be a fitness device and you just kind of tweaked it. I don't know that it was going to really survive as a category because a lot of people buy the Fitbits and the other things, and they seem to wear out quickly. And people are all excited about counting the number of steps early on, and then they they give it up. So I think you go to something that you know looks good, um, has all these features in. If the watch concept is going to work, then I, I think that Apple went to where they needed to go. Now, whether you know people uh, like you, me, and younger people who haven't worn a watch in many, many years can now all of a sudden, you know, have something on their wrist. I think that's a big open question. Whether you know the category is gonna gonna last for a long time. Tom, any other thoughts? My thought when you compare the the Apple Watch to other f- current fitness wearables is that what I can am concerned the most about is the ability to uh, what I really like about the Fitbit is going to one central location for all the information that it's monitoring and my Fitbit is not monitoring just the information from the Fitbit but I've also got my scales plugged into that as well and I could plug my um, my calorie counter if I chose to do that also and and as long as Apple has plans for doing that beyond monitoring just uh, how many steps I take and and how long I walk during the day and how much energy I, I expend. As long as it's they actually plan to go further, then I say power more power to you and good on you. Um, it's it's a good thing. But I that's the fear that I have is that as we get to a watch that tries to do more uh, than just be a, a fitness wearable, that it gets away from what made some of these fitness wearables useful from a medical standpoint to begin with. Now it's time for our parting shots at one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So in honor of uh, and to celebrate these uh, iPhone announcements, my parting shot is an Android tip and uh, more specifically a Google tip. Uh, I will. I still maintain that Google now beats the pants off Siri uh, in just about any way that makes sense. And uh, I have a great link on the ultimate guide to Google Now cards and how to set them and how to use them and how great they are. And I'll post a link to it. And uh, if you're an Android user, even if you're not, you can get Google Now in your iPhone or in your iDevice, it's just not quite as useful as it would be on an Android device. But uh, I will uh, post a link on, on how to make the most of Google Now cards. And I got to say that I haven't really experimented with them, but the, the cards are definitely on, on my radar as, as something that I want to take a, a much closer look at. And I just have a, a, a simple simple resource for iOS 8. It's the on the, the Read Write blog, readwrite.com, uh, September 19th. 
And it's just a, a post called Apple iOS 8, what to do first on your iPhone or iPad. And it's just a nice summary of what the new features are and some of the things that you need to do as you put iOS 8 on, on your device. Uh, very helpful uh, I mean, and, and right to the point. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site. Uh, You can get to the archives of all of our past shows in both places as well. If you have a question you want answered or a topic for an upcoming podcast, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.